0: A mikvah that contains inside of it a volume of 40 sa'ah of water and mud. That is to say, that part of the mikvah is made up of runny mud. It's not solid mud, it is a liquid form of mud. We're going to learn later on in the mesechta that such a type of mud is valid for the mikvah. It would not be considered. A different substance that would invalidate the mikveh, and it can even combine to make up the minimum amount of 40 uh, of water. The question is when it comes to actually immersing and submerging the item in the mikveh in order to purify it. Can that part of the mikveh be used as well? And the main concern is that, as we know, in order for something to be purified in the mikveh, it needs to be fully submerged in the mikveh, such that all parts of the item are being touched by the water at the same time. That's why even if one is holding the item as he is dipping it into the mikvah, he needs to let go for even a split second in order to allow there to be a moment where all parts of the item are touching the water. Now, if it's in the muddy part of the water, so then the mud essentially will be stuck to it and the water won't be touching it at that time. So Rebeliezer says, one can dip the item into the water part of the mikvah, but one cannot dip it into the muddy part of the mikvah. One is able to dip it into the water and the mud, and Rabbi Yoshua immediately explains, in which type of mud, in which case is one able to dip the item into the mud, specifically gabov,' in a case where there is mud with water that is flowing on top of it. So the bottom part of the mikveh has this runny liquid form of mud and the top part of the mikveh is water. Since when one... Puts the item inside of the mikveh, it first goes via the water at the top. Even once it ends up going partly into the muddy part of the mikveh, the water that has been on the surface of the item as it went down into the mikveh is considered to remain on the surface of that item even when it goes into the muddy part. And that way we are cons- able to consider it as if it's all touching the water at the same time, because even once it enters the muddy part, the view that we have of the item is that the water that it touched as it went down through the watery part of the mikveh remained on the surface of it even once it reached the muddy part of the mikveh. Now since this is the logic, if the water was on one side of the mikveh and next to it was the muddy part, then Rabbi Yisrael would agree that one is able to dip the items only into the watery half of the mikveh and not into the muddy path. The second half of the Mishnah brings six different opinions for which type of mud we're talking about, because of course solid mud is not valid as part of the mikveh. Only if it is in a liquid form. The question is, how much of a liquid does it need to be? What is the thickness and the consistency of the mud that is required? Be'ezotit Omru, which type of mud are we talking about? Biticha, akoniyerid Mud that a reed that would be placed into it, a reed or a stick that would be placed into the muddy part of the mikvah, it would float down straight away naturally to the bottom, it wouldn't be stopped up by the mud at all. The Mayor, that's the opinion of the Mayor. Yehuda says, It needs to be a place, a type of mud that a measuring reed, again, some type of stick, if it were placed into it, it wouldn't stand upright and it would fall down. So it's not exactly like Ruby Mayer, where it literally just continues falling down in the same way as it would fall down in water. According to Ruby Hood, even if it's thicker than that, as long as the stick can't stand upright in that consistency, it would still be considered a liquid type of mud that would be a part of the mikveh says, A type of mud in which a Mishkoiles would go down and fall to the bottom. A Mishkoiles is a metal weight that was placed at the bottom of a long string that builders would use in order to ascertain that the walls that they were building were fully straight They would lower down this string with a metal weight at the bottom of it so that the string would end up being totally straight and they would put it next to the wall to compare and to make sure that the wall also is totally straight. So this is a metal weight and therefore naturally it would sink to the bottom but if it's very very thick mud then it wouldn't sink. So according to this opinion we just need to make sure that it's not very thick mud. So so far we have three opinions each one allowing the mud to be thicker than the previous one. Rebelleza and Rebelleza says, I heard with it needs to be mud that would go down through the opening of a barrel. We're talking about a relatively small opening through which they could pour wine out of a barrel. If one were to pour the mud through this hole, would it go fully through the hole, out through the other side, or would it end up clogging up the hole? So again, this is an opinion that allows the mud to be even thicker. Fifth opinion, Rabbi Shimon says, it needs to be able to go through a tube that was attached to the opening of some kind of flask, animal skin that was made into a flask. Again, we want to make sure that the water, that the mud won't get clogged up in that opening. And the final opinion, Rabbi Lozbar says, It depends on whether it is measured using a leg measuring instrument. This is a measuring instrument that was used to measure liquids. So would one use a liquid measurement or a solid measurement? It depends on that. So as long as it's more similar to a liquid than a solid, such that one would use such a measurement, then even then it would be considered a liquid form of mud that could be a part of the mikveh. Paragolish da Aleph. continued to talk about the disqualification of a mikveh via three loig of drawn water ma'im shu'vim being added to it, and we have learned that the entire disqualification that is caused by ma'im shu'vim, drawn water being added to the mikveh, only applies before the mikveh has been filled up with the minimum volume of forty sa of water that falls there naturally. But once the mikveh contains that minimum volume, then regardless of how much maimsha'uvim are added in later on, the mikveh will remain valid. Rabbi Yisim Rabbi Yisim says, if there are two mikvehs. Two bodies of water, two collections of water next to each other, and each of them contains less than 40 sa'ar. So at this stage, if three loig of water falls into either of the mikvais, it will invalidate them. And what happened is that one and a half loig of drawn water fell into each of the two mikvais. Each of them by themselves is still considered to be valid. It hasn't been disqualified because it contains less than three loig of drawn water. So as long as later on the total amount of water in each of them will end up being 40 Sa'ar, the McVice is still totally valid. But then what happened is that Venice it's the two McVice became mixed together. So now, the total amount of maimshuvim, drawn water, that is inside of this mikveh, is three loig. And we're going to understand that we're talking about a case where even once the two mikvehs have been combined, there is still less than 40 sa'ar of water. So I should think that the mikveh should be invalidated. Nevertheless, the Mishnah says, "Kasherim, the water is still considered to be valid. And the reason for this is because of what we're going to learn in the continuation of this paragraph, this chapter, that the three loig invalidate the mikveh only if they fall into the mikveh in one go. But if they are, if part of the three loig falls into it, and then later on another loig falls in, or a loig and a half at two different points, then the invalidation does not apply. And that is the reason for the law over here, and P'sul, since the mikveh didn't become invalidated at any one point, even though in total there is three Loig inside of the mikvah of Mim Sha'uvim, it is still valid. Aval mikveh should aim by Briam Saar, but if there is a mikvah that has less than forty Saar of water in it, Fanofish shlogin, and three Loig of Mim Sha'uvim fall into that mikvah and therefore thereby invalidate the mikveh. This is now a disqualified mikvah. The nech'lak Lishnaim and then the mikvah was split into two. Somebody built a wall in the middle of it, such that, if you think about it now, in each of the two separate mikvahais, there is less than three loig of ma'am sh'uvim, so they should be considered valid. The mission says, no, the opposite is true. Possel, Both of the mikvahais are considered to still be disqualified and invalid. Wim neish'a nik'ra alov sh'em psul since each of the mikvahs already gained the status of being invalid. It won't help the fact that right now there is less than three loig of maimsh of since this is essentially one large disqualified mikvah that has been split into two, it retains its status of being a disqualified mikvah. On the other hand, Rabbi Shua says that the Mikvah is valid, because Rabbi Shua would say the following rule that if there is any Mikvah that has less than 40 and three loig of Mayanesh oven fall into it and invalidate it. And then the choser part of the water is removed, it's missing a part of the water that was there until now, even a tiny amount, a kurtaiv which is equivalent to an eighth of an eighth of a loig. One out of 64 of one loig. Kosher, the mikvah, is already considered to be valid once again, because we're talking about a case where there was exactly three loig of mime that fell into it, and according to Rebbe Shua, a mixture like this of two different types of liquids, two, essentially, water that is drawn, and water that fell naturally, the rule is that Yeish bila. Yesh bila means that any one part of the water is considered to contain a proportionate amount of the mixture. Meaning, if 90% of the mikveh was water that fell there naturally and 10% was of him, So any water that you take from there, we look at it as being 90% natural water and 10% being the drawn water. And because of that, as soon as any part of that water, even a drop... Is removed, so a small fraction of that drop is considered to be the ma'amshuvim, which means that remaining inside of that mikveh is now less than three loig of ma'amshuvim. And according to Rabbi Shua, as soon as the amount that is left there is less than three loig of Shovim, even though the mikveh already became disqualified, it would now revert to being a valid mikveh once again. And this is because, according to Rabbi Shua, the entire invalidation is something temporary. It's something based on the reality that there are three loig of Maim inside of the mikvah. But the rest of the mikveh remains good water. So as soon as we're able to get rid of this invalidating source of Maim so the mikveh is going to be considered valid. On the other hand, the Tanakama, the first opinion of the Mishnah, understands that once the mikveh becomes invalidated because of the Ma'im so all of the water is now considered to be not good water for the mikveh, And because of that, even once we can be sure that there is less than three lo'ig of disqualified Ma'im the mikveh won't go back to being valid, because now all of the water is considered to be disqualified and invalid water. The, the Chachomim represent a third opinion, who in essence agree with the first opinion and they say that the mikvah will forever remain invalid because we look at all of the water that is there as being disqualified until slightly more than the amount of water that was there before the ma'am shuvim were added is removed from that mixture so if let's say there was 15 of water that fell into the mikvah naturally and then three loig of ma'am shuvim fall in once 15 sa' of that mixture leaves and is removed sorry 15 sa' plus a tiny bit more then the mikvah, the, the water that remains, is considered to be valid. Since the entire invalidation of Mayim Sh'uvim is Midyabonon, we are able to apply a interesting, fascinating leniency over here, that we view it as if the water that left, that has been removed, is the water that was here originally. Meaning, even if more water was added after the Maim Sh'uvim... And now 15 Sa'ar plus a tiny bit more is removed. We look at it as if all of the water that was removed is the water that was there originally. That's the water that became disqualified. And then we are therefore left with the water that was added later on, which intrinsically is not considered to be disqualified. Disqualified. Plus the Maim Sh'uvim, but since slightly more than 15 Sa'ar were removed, so we view it as if part of the Maim Sh'uvim were also removed. So now there's less than three loig of Maim Sh'uvim and the rest of the water that is not considered to be disqualified, and therefore the mikveh would be valid. Mishnah Bates, Kate said, how so? The previous Mishnah offered a solution that even once three loig of Maim Sh'uvim have been added into a mikveh, there is a way to solve the problem. And the Mishnah reiterates the solution because the Mishnah is going to offer a second solution in addition. <laughs> if there is a pit of water in a courtyard and three Loig of Ma'am fall into it before it has the minimum volume of 40 sa'ah, it will remain invalid and a disqualified mikvah. Until slightly more than the amount of water that was there originally. In the example we gave, fifteen saar plus a tiny bit more until that is removed from the mikveh. Oi, or alternatively, a different solution is ad shiyami bechatsar b'ayim saar. If he sets up a mikveh that contains forty saar in the courtyard, a fully valid mikveh. And then we're able to use the concept of Hashoka, which is when a valid mikveh is connected to an invalid mikveh. And halachic speaking, we view it as if the invalidated mikveh is a part of the ma- of the valid mikveh, which means that it's all considered to be mikveh water, which is valid. And the Mishnah adds that even if the way that he set up the mikveh is such that it is flowing, one is flowing into the other. And it's the valid mikveh that is at the bottom, and the invalid mikvah at the top. So essentially, the flow is coming from the invalid mikveh, going into the valid mikveh. So I may have thought that the higher up mikvah, which is anyway flowing towards the lower down mikvah... We can view that as being a secondary part of the lower down mikveh, into which anyway it's going towards there. But to say that the lower down mikvah, we're going to view it as if it's up there, together with the higher up mikvah... That's more difficult to say. And so the Mishnah adds that even in that case we're able to use the concept of Hashoka to consider it all like one valid Mikvah. The, the higher up Mikvah, which is the invalid one, can be purified and essentially validated via being connected and flowing into the lower down valid Mikvah. Rabbi Azariah invalidates this second method of solving the problem, solving the disqualification of the Maim sure him. However, he agrees with the first method. So Elam Kain Pokak, we're going to read the Mishnah as saying Elam Kain Posak, which is in a different version of the Mishnah. And that means unless the water is put to a stop, meaning water ended up flowing out of it, enough, as it's described in the first method, only then would the mikveh be valid once again. A pit that is filled just with drawn water. That means that it's not just a mikvah that has a little bit of drawn water, but the entire pit is filled up with water that is not fit for the mikvah. And there is a canal of water that comes into that mikveh and goes out of it. It flows through the water in the mikveh, in the pit, is always considered to be invalid for the mikveh. Add until the point that the canal of water has gone through it so much, she is chashev, then it will emerge, based on the calculations, that there is less than three loig of the water that was originally there remaining. And that now all of the water, except for less than three loig, which is in the pit, is from the canal. And the canal is water that flowed there naturally and is fit for the make the water. Now the Mishnah continues with a law that we mentioned at the beginning of the Perek. If there were two people who were adding ma'im shuvim into the Mikveh. This one was adding one and a half loig. And the other person was also adding one and a half loig separately. Or if somebody was squeezing out his item of clothing that was soaked with water and he was squeezing the water out in for it to fall into the mikvah from different parts of that item of clothing. So there were it was dropping from different parts of the clothing, the tzartzur, and somebody who pours water from a jug that has a lid on it with lots and lots of small holes, like a sieve or like a watering can. So the water is coming out, but in lots of different separate holes. Umatomomkoimisharabeh the water is coming out of different places. There'd be Akiva in all of these cases. there will be a kiva says that the water is still considered to be valid, even if in total there are now three loig of water which has been drawn. The however, the chachoms say that it's invalidated because there's now three loig of maim Shuzim inside of the mikveh. Rabbi Akiva Akiva said in order to prove his opinion that the mikveh is valid still, the Chachomim, when they said the law that three loig which one adds into the mikveh invalidate it, they said it in the singular form, elomatil. They used the word matil that if one adds, if an individual adds three loig of water into the mikveh, then it becomes invalidated. And we can imply from there that if more than one person was responsible for adding the water there, with separately, then it does not become invalidated. They didn't use either of those two terminologies, matil or matilin. Because they didn't talk in terms of a person adding the water at all. elor rather, the language that was used in the law that the Chachoim stated that three loig invalidate the mikveh is relation If three loig of Maimsha'uvim fall into the mikveh, then it, it becomes invalidated. So they didn't talk about one particular type of scenario. Rather, anytime that there are three loig of Maimsha'uvim in the mikveh, it's invalidated.